lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf, filling out mock drafts leading up to the actual draft in April, filling out March Madness brackets that are going to be dumpster fires within the first weekend of the tournament here. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a wash party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, and the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Back here on Gojo and Golick. So after three months in which nobody really emerged as a front runner in the NFL MVP race, two men have now seemingly taken control. Dak Prescott, and then on the other side, you see on your screen, Brock Purdy. So Prescott, now the betting favorite on the DraftKings Sportsbook after leading Dallas to a Sunday night win over the Eagles. And the guy sitting down recently with ESPN's Mina Kimes to discuss Dak's MVP candidacy and other quarterback storylines. It's meaty. Listen to this. All right, very excited to welcome in longtime friend of the show, Mina Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst, co-host of the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny, the best NFL podcast out there wherever you get them. Mina, how you doing, bud? Hi, you were just a guest on the uh, Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny, so I can say this week it was the best NFL podcast. Mm. And, and I and I know everybody, you know, talking about your baby, congrats with all that and, and the whole deal, but sometimes then gets lost. How's Lenny? Thank you for asking. Yeah. Um, Lenny is thriving. He actually, he doesn't get as much attention like on gross, yeah. but when he does get attention, it's often just one of us. So whoever is with him is very dialed in. So That's I think good. he's doing okay. Good. Yeah. good for him. There we go. Lenny having to balance his multiple roles as both podcast co-host and yeah. now big brother yep. is a lot on his plate. And thankfully, Lenny is able to handle all that. He's an incredible, incredible man. And uh, we are lucky to have uh, his mom here with us now. So, uh, Mina, as we talked, you mentioned I was on your podcast. There's a bunch yeah. of stuff that we talked about on your show that I think would be really interesting to follow up on this week. And one of those things has been the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott, who's playing MVP caliber football right now. It's been incredible to watch, but I know on live, you mentioned Mike McCarthy, and I think it's been really interesting to see how his play calling seems to have changed this year. Have you noticed a different Mike McCarthy in terms of how he's kind of operated with this Cowboys offense? Yeah, Big Mike really has um, 
I wouldn't say prove the haters wrong because it's December. And I think we probably, uh, anytime you praise Mike McCarthy, you get a million, do it in the playoffs. And you know what? Ah. It is, it's justified with him. I get it. I think especially given how good this roster is, but just going off of what we've seen so far this year, I've been impressed by both the play calling, which of course he took over, which I was dubious of. I mean, and I don't like, I think we were right to be dubious of it. The end of his tenure in Green Bay, things felt pretty stale with that offense and Aaron Rodgers. Um, and the the Cowboys offense with Kellen Moore was pretty, uh, was very efficient and creative and the numbers bore that out. Uh, but he has, I think, dramatically surpassed my expectations. And I think what's been so cool about this offense is not just um, the way he's clearly set up Dak to have such a fantastic season an mvp caliber season but also the way that the offense has evolved as the year has gone on the way that they've used cd lamb changing you know not about a third of the way through the nfl season moving him around the use of motion to uh you know create advantages both in the pass game and the run game get information for dak who's like a supercomputer as it is he's done a lot of things well there and then from a game management standpoint i was thinking about this watching the eagles beat down um at the end of the half, when he was calling those timeouts to set up his offense to score, I was thinking, man, you know, like this is the kind of thing if Mike McCarthy didn't do, he would get clowned for. So we should praise him for doing a good job managing this game. He's going for and fourth down in the right moments. Uh, he's added more EPA per play than all but three coaches in the NFL in those situations. So I, I think he deserves a lot of credit for the Cowboys' success this year. I'll tell you, while I was calling that game for Westwood One Man, and I was praising him because that was a great moment at 17-3. to The Eagles could have made it 17-10, to and yeah. Philadelphia was getting the ball. Um, so it could have been that old, that old twofer for him. They held him to a field goal while McCarthy used his timeout. So now it's 17-6, and then they go down and score and make it 24-6. And I agree with you in watching film on them and then calling the game. McCarthy is mixing it up much more, moving around uh, C.D. Lamb. He was the only wide receiver going into this weekend that had over 500 yards in the slot and out at wide receiver. But I like the play calling. And the biggest difference for Dak, obviously, is the turnover. So sticking more on Dak. It doesn't seem like he's trying to drill it through people anymore, which turns into turnovers. And I, I do think the play call is helping him a, a lot. He's He seems to be as comfortable as he's ever been out there. Yeah, and, and Frank, I will say, he still does love him, a tight window yes. scene throw. And I love that he's still doing it. I was actually worried, Mike, that after last season, he, he, he might be reticent. I agree with you. There, there are certain balls he's not forcing, especially in that kind of um, 10 to 15 or zero, like 10 to 20 yard range in the middle of the field. You know, there, there were some balls last year. We were like, what are you doing? Don't do that. Don't throw that. Um, but the fact that he's still been fairly aggressive throwing downfield, especially in between the numbers, I, I'm happy to see. I also think though, the fact that he's, there's fewer turnovers and that they've been so successful um, has to do with the personnel, uh, the ball to cooks uh, the post, which no, I, I tweet this. Nobody throws that ball better than Dak Prescott this year. Nobody, like truly. Um, to Brandon Cooks, you know, it was, I was thinking about last year and I was like, I don't even, who catches that ball last year? Who was there? Like Gallup was still coming off of the injury. It felt like defenses could just key in on Lamb and nobody else was getting separation. So, you know, there weren't those options for Prescott. Ferguson, I think, has really emerged as, an, yeah. as a really decent tight end. So, yeah, he's having an amazing season. I think an MVP caliber season thus far. 
Um, and it feels like everything's clicking for that offense. Like they seem to be just in complete control of every game right now. So from the team on top or one of the teams on top of the NFC right now, sticking in that conference, watching the Detroit Lions back from this weekend, mm-hmm. Mina, we've talked a lot about them and the Jags on this show as teams were kind of unsure where they fit in terms of ceiling in the NFL. And I was struck by Jared Goff this last weekend and how shaky he looked in certain moments. Are we getting to the point where the Lions are going to start to have some like long-term existential concerns about what their team can be with him? What do you think Jared Goff's QBR is when he's pressured? If you had to guess. I mean, it's got to be, I mean, bottom quarter of the league. It's 1.3, which is the worst oh. in the NFL oh, right now. Oh, my gosh. Now, and uh, Dak is 75, to put yeah. that in perspective. He's the best in the league. Yeah. So, Jared Goff's always struggled when pressured. That's who he is as a quarterback. Like, you know, it's just we've seen a lot of him play football, play a lot of football. Um, but, yeah, and I said this a lot coming into this season, I wasn't that worried because I thought the Lions' offensive line and their scheme, because of what they were able to do on early downs with the run, the pass, and was so good. But watching them last week, like this offensive line, they've had some injuries, but they've struggled a bit. And especially when he's in passing downs, you've really seen, oh, you know, when the circumstances aren't great, when guys aren't getting separation outside, they don't really attack outside the numbers. And when he's not like incredibly well protected, you're getting bad goff, you're getting the bad decisions, you're getting the inaccuracies. And I do think it raises questions, not just about this year and whether they're a contender, but beyond. I mean, there was a point, I think, at the beginning of the season where it seemed like a foregone conclusion. They'd give him an extension. I don't think that's the case anymore. I, I, if I was a Lions fan, I would not advocate for that. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't think that would happen either. Completely agree with you. And they, they play the Broncos uh, on Saturday, who is a, one, a hot team right now. And our, and our good buddy, all of ours, Jason Fitz and I, were talking about the AFC. And our thought was Pittsburgh is going to be out and it's going to be replaced by either Buffalo or Denver. So it was deciding which team, if only one of those teams, mean it was going to get in because we think Pittsburgh will be out, who would end up getting in? I think... I don't have their schedules in front of me. I think the Bills have a harder schedule, right? I mean, I know that, yeah. yeah. So it might be the Broncos just because of the competition. Um, I think the Broncos face Easton Stick again. The, the Broncos <laughs> play the Broncos play the Lions, the Patriots, the Chargers, and then the Raiders. So yeah, they're those are all winnable yep. games. Yep, yep, they definitely are. Which the Bills are a better team, I think. They have a better, obviously, better quarterback. But I also think the Broncos deserve a ton of credit for their turnaround. Um, I did a sort of breakdown on my YouTube channel. Check it out, youtube.com slash times about how the Broncos turned it around. And when I was sort of digging into the numbers and watching them a bit more when their win streak began, I was struck by um, how a, a lot of it was actually just because of personnel, guys who weren't starting those first few weeks. It feels like Vance Joseph really... It, it took some time to figure out the right players for their defense. They shed some, like, um, you know, Randy Gregory gone, Frank Clark gone, a couple of cornerbacks changing, uh, pass rush has really turned up, and coupled with turnovers and then fairly conservative, consistent play from Russell Wilson, they're playing good complementary football. It's not the sexiest football, uh, aside from, like, the occasional splash play to Cortland Sutton, but they're winning games, and I think Sean Payton deserves a lot of credit for holding that together. 
So yeah, quickly, in, qu- quickly yeah. with a comparison, the Bills play the Cowboys, and then e- they play Easton Stick as well, and then they play Bailey Zappi as well uh, before oh. they finish up with the Dolphins. So mm. not uh, you know, and well, after um, what yeah. we saw with the Dolphins, couldn't couldn't burn two minutes off the clock to win a game. I mean. <laughs> It, it is interesting, though, as we talk about the rest of the AFC picture a little bit right now, and we come off a weekend where the Kansas City Chiefs lose that game to the Buffalo Bills, the Dolphins, a bunch yeah. more injuries compounding their loss on Monday Night Football. Mina, does this have to be the year for the Baltimore Ravens? Like, yeah. based on what we've seen from them, how big is the gap between them and the rest of the conference right now? I wouldn't say it's that big because I think that – you saw against the Rams, it, they're they're not a perfect. They're they're flawed. I mean, the offense, Mike. I think we were we were watching this game and talking at the same time. Like the offense is, they're inconsistent still. The ceiling is really high, and you still have like the potential for Lamar to have these like otherworldly moments, which he did in that game. But you know, the offense is still a work in progress without Mark Andrews. I think. And then defensively, um, they actually, you know, they struggled a little bit against what is admittedly a very good Rams offense and very underrated and probably not talked about enough. Um, But to your point, when you look around the AFC, they do look like the most complete football team to me in the AFC, Mm -hmm. which makes uh, the Christmas matchup with San Francisco all the more delicious because it really feels like the best team in the AFC and the NFC right now meeting. Yeah, I say a potential Super Bowl preview uh, coming up here on Christmas, which God's gift for the NFL as they continue to try and stamp out the NBA uh, on Christmas Day in the lineup that they've got there. <laughs> yeah. Mina, we can sit here and talk to you all day. Thank you so much for the time, but everyone check out Mina on NFL Live, the Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny that you can also watch, as she mentioned, on YouTube as well. A bunch of great original content there. Thanks, bud. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, guys. Thanks. All right, from Mina's quarterback analysis to Cam Newton. So buckle up here, baby, because Newton is not impressed with several starting quarterbacks here, guys, two of which are at the top of the league MVP race, Brock Purdy, Dak Prescott. And he initially weighed in on the 49ers signal caller here before offering his two cents on a few other guys. But Brock, listen, they're not winning because of him. He's not turning the ball over. He's managing managing. the game. And if we were to put that in its own right as game managers mm-hmm. this may ruffle a lot of feathers but it's honest brock parody to a tongue of valoa jared goff and really dak prescott mm. these are game managers they're they're not difference makers all right, there, there's a lot to take away from that clip, including his outfit. But the job of quarterback here, guys, first and foremost, it's to help his team win football games. And if that leads to being labeled as a game manager, so be it. So, Gojo, which one of those guys he just mentioned should be the most offended? Well, I, first off, I do want to reference the outfit that you were talking about there yeah. with Cam Newton. <laughs> he was wearing the exact same sweater that I also bought from Spencer's in the lead up to a holiday Christmas party. <laughs> yes. So I want to give a shout out to him for having elite taste in fashion and doing it at a more affordable <laughs> price there. That is for those people who might be interested in emulating and being influenced by myself and Cam Newton, two fashion icons there. That <laughs> is the Christmas story leg lamp sweater that you can get at a 
Spencer's store near you. Yep. Not an ad for Spencer's, but uh, hey, listen, if they want to come Bro, in, who knows? That kind of reminds Boom. me when I was out in LA for Major League Baseball All-Star Game festivities, I had posted a pic of Verlander and Kate Upton on like the red carpet out there. My wife saw the story and she immediately, and she's like a professional investigator online. She immediately oh. goes on and finds out Kate Upton's wearing these $15 yeah. sunglasses from like Walmart. And my wife's like, this is incredible. I can look like Kate Upton for $15. Uh, Emerson, I'm telling you, I mean, my wife and my yeah. daughter, same thing. The, yep. the, to, to be able to see something and find it within seconds yeah. is stunning. Dude. And and I'll start with Cam, too. Cam can wear anything and look good in it, right? Yeah, I mean, that's true. The dude is just model-esque. Yeah, I mean, he's got swag. I, know. I don't I, I don't agree what he with what he said, but it's fine. He can have his opinion, but he can he can put on basically anything and look good in it. I wish I was in that position because that's where he is from a look standpoint. There's something about our, our ladies. It is, our well, it's wives, like the confidence but. that he walks into all that with too. Like he just any yep. given situation, he is going to walk in and he wears it with. Like I said, that's a fifty dollars sweater from Spencer's that he walked in there and decided, no, this is going to be the thing that I light the internet up in today. Because Dad, he did hit the hot button issue for so many people when it comes to the discussion of their quarterbacks, and it's this notion of game manager, this label that he throws on there which i think is funny because for anyone that got mad about this and boy some people use this as an opportunity to i think just get off their feelings on cam that yeah. they've been holding yeah. up for over yeah. the he's years polarizing dude and try people and love to hate go- on him well it's because cam's a big personality yes. at a position that usually has not rewarded that and especially at the time that he played in the league he was sort of on the cusp of that and so i, I do think it's funny like the general premise of this is cam newton who is one of the most exciting, incredible individual talents at the quarterback position we have ever seen and played this position a very specific way, affected games a very specific way. You could run quarterback power over and over again in a game with a guy who is basically the size of a large deer in your backfield. He was the Josh Allen build with an even better rushing ability than Josh Allen, and you could use it in a down-in, down-out basis. So if you're telling me, Dad, the general premise is incredibly great former player, looks at quarterbacks who don't play the game the way he did as lesser than he was i'm not overly surprised by that like cam newton yeah. when he named the quarterbacks that he saw as game changers lamar jackson patrick mahomes right. guys like that he looked at quarterbacks that could affect the game the same way that he could in a lot of ways now mahomes very different quarterback than him but right. if you're denying mahomes greatness you're invalidating your credentials as someone analyzing quarterbacks but for the rest of it i'm not surprised that he looks at quarterbacks that can't do the things that he did and sees them as lesser than there that's like the most human reaction possible especially from a former player it, it is amazing how game manager has been deemed a swear word yeah uh, that you're that you're not a better quarterback if you're a game manager the thing with Dak and Brock Purdy and um, uh, who I know golf who else oh Tua Jared golf yeah yeah and, and yeah. Tua but with Tua Purdy and Dak game managers this is the only system they've been in it's the only team they've been on. I mean, they don't know another system. While Tua had a coaching change from Brian Flores to Mike McDaniel, um, uh, Brock Purdy has had the same coach. Dak has had the same coach, different old coordinator, but same coach, same type of offense. So, I mean, this is all these guys have had to deal with, and they're doing it well. And then to label them as game managers, I just – I don't get it. They're doing what they need to do for their team to win. Yeah. And, oh, by the way, they're putting up 
some pretty impressive numbers while doing it. So to just label it, and Cam is is using Game Manager as a as a negative toward these guys. Make no mistake, that's what he's doing. Uh, I, I just, I don't understand that thought process. I really don't. So, Gojo, question for you. How difficult is it to measure the value of a quarterback in today's NFL? Because seemingly every guy is capable of putting up big numbers, right? But then minus Patrick Mahomes, who you brought up earlier, like one could find something really negative to say almost about every starting NFL quarterback, whether it's like lack of stats, mounting injuries, that kind of stuff. Yeah, but I, I, like statistical analysis is only going to go so far, and, and it's ultimately what you see out there, like guys that are capable of making throws that few other people can. Ultimately, some of this defaults back to physical ability, right? Like Matthew Stafford's a perfect example. He's an imperfect quarterback when you look at some of the things over the years in terms of metrics, but some of the things that he can do, like he's doing again right now, a quarterback, there just aren't a lot of guys around the league that can do. Brock Purry, Tua Vailoa didn't walk out of the hospital with enough to do the things that on his best day Matthew Stafford's capable of and I think that's ultimately what this boils down to is these guys are going out and executing at a high level but to a certain point you look and go all right when asked to elevate beyond the limits of the people around them there are these guys capable of doing that not sometimes because we've seen Brock Purdy has cut a bunch right. of throws loose but how often are they asked to and how much are they capable of transcending that on a regular basis and we've seen guys like Mahomes guys like Josh Allen guys like Lamar Jackson do that over and over again find a way to make the plays that other people couldn't inside and outside of the offense and with a lot of these other guys we either haven't seen it consistently enough yet or over a long enough time to lump them into the same category and I don't think that's a bad thing to say whether you're hosting game day or movie night DiGiorno knows that planning a watch party on a budget isn't easy you need the perfect setting the perfect squad and the perfect eats luckily you're a game time mastermind and you know that grabbing DiGiorno classic crust pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese sauce and other toppings and comes at an incredible price make the game winning call and grab a DiGiorno classic crust pizza from the grocery store today it's not delivery it's DiGiorno So the Minister of Defense is the next installment of ESPN's 30 for 30 series. It debuted last night, and it highlights the life here of NFL legend Reggie White. So it features never-before-seen footage from a 2004 interview with White just two months before he passed away, plus interviews with many of his former teammates, including our very own Mike Golick Sr., who played alongside White for six seasons. So, Sr., I'll ask you this. Where does your old friend rank among best defensive players in NFL history? Oh, I, I have put him at number one. I, I think it's between him and Lawrence Taylor. Uh, and, and again, anybody who wants to say Lawrence Taylor, I'm not going to sit here and have this massive argument yeah. with Lawrence Taylor was an absolute beast. But what I saw Reggie do uh, up and down the line, uh, whether it was against a tackle, uh, a guard, either guard or a center, um, you know, as I said earlier, I, I, or the other day, I've talked about Lamar Jackson in a in a sport full of the greatest athletes, some of the greatest athletes in the world. Lamar is different, right? I mean, he just looks different, and that's what you could say about Reggie. Reggie took players who were some of the great players and th literally threw them. I mean, with his rip and then that hump move that he used, 
and what he did with his leverage and his strength was it's laughable when you watch it when you watch the string of highlights of him just hoisting people the most amazing one Larry Allen one of the great old linemen of all time who for a time played right tackle played just about every position on the line except center Um, and and you know Reggie hoisted him one time and it's an incredible leverage move um but he would do I, I he was six six three fifteen. I watched him run a four six forty. You know, I all he benched, he he squatted and he clean cleaned. Those were his lifts. He was strong. He was how I was weak, but I made up for it by being slow. He was strong in the weight room, had great leverage, was fast, and was quick. I mean, he had he had all the tools. Um, but as the doc showed, he was a complicated person. On the football field, there was no complications. He was literally, in my eyes, the greatest defensive player ever. But just for sake of argument, certainly right up there in, in, as one of the top guys of all time. But he was a guy, and I and like anything else, you sit for one of these, and I'm there for two hours, and they use a few lines. You know, when it got into the religious side of Reggie and the things he said, you know, against uh, against homosexuals and and other things that led uh, from his religion. Reggie was a very cut and dry religious person. If it said it in the Bible, that's what he felt the way it should go. He and I, and and the thing about Reggie that I love that I've always said this, he was a minister at 17 years old. He never, he never pushed in the locker room. He never preached in the locker room. But if you wanted to have a discussion, he would. And he and I would, he and I were really, really good friends and we would have discussions. And I certainly disagreed with him on some of his thought processes of, of basically, I would say, you can't put everybody in one box here, you know, because it says it in this book that this is, that it's law. I said, it's just, it's what people's beliefs are. I respect your beliefs and I would hope you'd respect my beliefs. And it was interesting, Mike, at the end of this, and this is, I, I didn't unfortunately see him right before he passed because you don't think that's going to happen because uh, we had stayed in touch, but the transformation that he was making Um, for those that will watch this or did watch it was really something else as far as he felt he did almost misled people when he was preaching and took them down the wrong road when he was preaching kind of what we had talked about of because it said it here it must have been the way it should be done and he started to question that a little bit and was searching for more answers and unfortunately his life was cut so short as he was starting on that journey so that was an an interesting interesting I think note for people to see out of him or we, as we all knew him through his football career I'll tell you what uh LZ Granderson was was probably the best yeah on there there were a lot of people talking there's obviously in a situation like this you interview a lot of people I thought he was fantastic his wife Sarah who obviously I've known uh for years Jeremy I mean my god we were all in Philly when he was you know, a baby when all those pictures were going on, when the the video of Reggie playing with him and, and, and his sister, I mean, it brought back a lot of tough, sad memories. But uh, he was one of the football. There was no issue off the field. He certainly he was very, very sure of what he was saying at the time. Um, and, and, and it got him, it seemed, into some hot water over that. Yeah, it, it was so interesting watching this documentary because, Dad, growing up, I, I, and I've said this to people before, Reggie was like Paul Bunyan in our house. Like, I used to listen. Yeah. My favorite stories that you've told on air over the years are almost all Reggie White stories. Like, the guy, as far as feats of strength, as far as, you know, his, his dedicated to religion, all these things, It was he was. He was like a folk hero <laughs> for us growing up. And 
so many times when we present people that have passed, we tend to flatten the characters a lot because there's that idea of you speak no ill of the dead. And I, I thought this documentary did a really good job of presenting the full, very complicated view. And you were right about LZ as someone who is a, a black man, who's a member of the LGBTQ plus community who got to speak to both sides of you see all the good that one person can do, but also all the harm that they can cause to this other group of people while they think they're out here working in the name of good for the cause that's nearest and dearest to them. That inherent conflict at times and what that can do. I, I thought he spoke to that beautifully and, and you're right for for people that weren't aware reggie at the end of his life had gone back and decided that he wanted to read the bible in its original language he went and learned hebrew he went to israel he got a hold of the text and he wanted to see it for himself not just the version that he had had presented to him by other people and, and i thought at the end of his life that introspection that he displayed in that interview footage which was incredibly compelling yeah. that level of introspection a guy who looked back and for so long was so certain that the world was one way because of what yeah. he had been told and, and had the humility at that point to realize right. and look back and say maybe i was wrong about all these things but not only that my god what i used my platform for all those years that i thought was just might not be so it, it, it was the world was robbed in so many ways for losing reggie when they did but uh, what he could have done with it seemed like the knowledge he was acquiring at that point seemed to to be limitless it was really interesting during that last interview the person doing the interview because reggie i mean truly the one thing about reggie he is genuine i mean what you see is what you get with reggie even what agree or disagree he is he is very very genuine in in his thoughts and he seemed so remorseful and bummed that he felt he led people the wrong way with his preaching you know and and the interviewer for that last interview was trying to say reggie understand though you did a lot of good do you do you know do you understand that you helped a lot of people you did a lot of good and even even with that reggie said i understand that but i still feel i misled them and he was he was dedicating his life at that point to in his eyes you know fixing that he felt he did that wrong and he it seemed like the, from that point going forward he was going to try and write that ship in his mind uh of learning and and i think one of the big things is, is just what you said mike in an, in an era now where you get in twitter battles and nobody changes their mind and everybody justifies their reason and never takes culpability he did in the biggest way as religion was way bigger part of his life than football and he actually said the biggest part of my life the, the basically the part that 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 interested me the most or meant the most to me i did wrong i did wrong and i want to write that so this was he was very aware of he did not like the way he was taught and that and the fact that he taught that way and was trying to change it you don't get that a lot in people to to of that high profile to say you know what this, maybe this was wrong maybe i wasn't right in some of the things i said and man the people i may have affected with my words gosh you know this this is not good i need to write that ship and that's what he was in the midst of doing before unfortunately he lost his life at 43 yeah it, it was really i mean if you've got some time it, it's among the 30 for 30s among the best i've ever seen obviously had a selfish interest in it knowing everything i had heard through you about reggie seeing your perspective on that but just a, a, a very 
complete view and a complicated viewing you know there's uh, people always talk about you know the meme of what happens when the worst guy you know makes a good point this is what happens when one of the best people you know someone you love says things that you find disagreeable says things that you find in moral opposition and, and how you grapple with that and how he ended up uh, grappling with that all while being one of the most important football players of my lifetime or any lifetime It's the most wonderful time of the year. March Madness, getting ready to go in college basketball. And we got some of the best stars in the sport finally trying to close the deal. Zach Eady at Purdue trying to see if he can cap off an historic career with the championship. Much like his counterpart on the women's side and Caitlin Clark, who's been one of the biggest names in sports this entire year and is looking to see if she can snag that elusive championship that's eluded her during her career. Regardless of who makes it to that final game of the tourney, though, one thing's for certain. It's going to take the most talented people like the two I just mentioned working together to help these teams play at a high level. If you're hiring, you want the most talented people on your team to help your business go to the next level. How do you find them? ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. ZipRecruiter uses matching technology to score excellent candidates for your job. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's powerful technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And once you review your list of the most qualified candidates for your job, you can easily invite your top choices to apply, so they're more likely to apply sooner. Pick ZipRecruiter to help you build a winning team. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, welcome back. With so much going on in the National Basketball Association right now, we need to bring in some reinforcements. The league is having a little bit of a moment right now, and so for more on that, we're excited to talk to our friend Tom Haberstroh, Trailblazers Analytics Insider. You can check him out, The Finder, over on Substack uh, as well. But Tom... What's it been like digesting the last 24 to 48 hours of NBA basketball as the in-season tournament passion has apparently spilled back over into the rest of the regular season? I can't get enough of this game ball gate. Um, I think Tom Ziller over at Substack Ah. called it game ball Ghazi. Um, The idea that there is a scandal erupting in the NBA involving Giannis Antetokounmpo after a 64-point game, and he's going into the tunnel to fight, to to try to rectify a situation involving a game ball. We don't even know if he got the game ball. There is now a backup game ball, which I think there's a bootleg game ball. And oh, by the way, guys, Draymond Green got suspended indefinitely, and it's just... It becomes a back page story now. It's a mere footnote because this Giannis story is just so explosive. So we definitely want to get to Draymond. But when we talked about this earlier, we wanted you to power rank the three situations and who should get the game ball and the power ranking. So there's Oscar Shibway, who scored his first points in the NBA, and it was literally his first point. He scored one point, but it was the first in the NBA. So that he got his first point. Then you have Giannis, who set the franchise record with 64 points, beating Michael Red's 57 back in 06. And you have Dame Lillard's. He is now fifth all-time on most free uh, three-pointers made uh, all-time. So you have those three situations. 
Who, if you, you had the game ball in your hand, Tom, who would you hand it to to say you deserve this the most? All right, well, it's definitely not Oscar Shibwe, and I'll tell you why, okay? Oh! Oscar Shibwe scored 1.5 days ago in the in-season tournament final. You said it, Mike, that it was his first NBA point. But the NBA had the in-season tournament final five days ago, and he scored! He scored, and I'm here to tell you that it's been erased from history because Adam Silver decided that no stats are official from the IST final. Wow. If it happened in the semifinals, it would have counted. But because that was the 83rd game in the schedule for the Indiana Pacers and the Lakers, they decided it doesn't count as a real game. But Oscar Shibwe, I promise you, you can look back on the tape. He entered the game with 70 seconds left in a 15-point game. Okay, he got fouled on an offensive rebound. He went to the free throw line. He missed the first one. And then the ball went up in the air and through the basket. And we are supposed to believe that didn't count. So he had his official NBA point on Saturday, but it doesn't count. And so this game last night, when he gets his first point, I'll put it in quotation marks. It wasn't his first point. It just was this weird loophole uh, that only accounting wow. firms can understand that this game didn't count the other day. Oscar Shibway already had an NBA point, so I'm throwing him out. Giannis Antetokounmpo gets the game ball. He should get the game ball. But it is amazing to me that, you know, Rick Carlisle went on to the press conference afterwards and was like, you know, this is unfortunate. It was a big mis- misunderstanding. And then kind of teases this little thing that, like, coaches sometimes do, and they're like, you know, one of our players, uh, one, of, one of their players happened to elbow our GM. Yeah. And uh, I, I think he's got bruised ribs. It might even be something more than that. But I just, I, I don't know. It might have, it might have broken a rib. I, I just don't know. This is just really unfortunate. Guys, Oscar Shibway doesn't get the game ball. In sum, he had his first NBA point on Saturday. I don't care what the, the whole loophole language is. So wow. basically what yep. you're saying is this entire, as I believe uh, Kyle called it, uh, fracas was the fault of Adam Silver for the way that he structured the in-season tournament. That's what I'm saying here is this would not have happened. None of this would have happened if we just recognized the in-season tournament finale in which we created, there was confetti. There, there might've been a parade in Vegas. I'm not sure. LeBron James is carrying this trophy above his head and there's tears everywhere. Everyone's crying. You know, there's, there's, there's all sorts of um, pomp and circumstance around the game. But Oscar Shibwe, his point did not count. And we are here sitting here talking about it because it was erased from history. Thanks, Adam. Mm. Tom, I'll say you have changed my mind. We rated this before, and we said we'd have given Chibwe the ball. We thought it was his first point, but you correctly told us it wasn't, so the ball should definitely go to Giannis. Completely agree there. So we talk about the emotion after the in-season championship game, which, by the way, was the most watched non-Christmas game during the regular season on any network in six years, so kudos to them for that. What I'm um, speaking of emotion, what emotion should we be feeling in Golden State about Draymond Green for his his sixth suspension all time and this one indefinite? So the league doesn't even know when the hell they're going to let him come back. Yeah, uh, I just did this story last night. And by, by the way, I was writing this story on TomTheFinder.com and I just kind of turned off everything so that I could focus on writing out 15 different Draymond Green incidents and whether he has a thing against foreigners because Swaggy P... Nick Young 
went on Undisputed with Skip Bayless and said that, hey, have you noticed that he seems to be doing this Demonis Sabonis, Yusuf Nurkic, uh, Steven Adams. There seems to be a trend here. So I went and looked at this, Mike. I went and looked and, and basically investigated the claim that Draymond Green has a thing against foreigners and basically whether he's a xenophobe. And what I found was, no, he does not. His antics do not discriminate. He goes after LeBron James. You remember that? He went after yes. um, Kevin Durant and got suspended by the team. He went after James Harden a couple times. He's gone after Jordan Poole, punched him in the face. And this is what I want to talk about here. He punched his teammate and pretty much knocked him out. Haymaker to the jaw. And no one suspended him. The league didn't suspend him. The team didn't suspend him. And so we're sitting here just in the same way that Adam Silver didn't credit Oscar Sheewe with his first career point in an IST championship game. If we actually held him accountable back with the Jordan Poole thing, I don't think we're sitting here talking about an indefinite suspension. The Warriors didn't hold him accountable. The NBA didn't hold him accountable. And we could have seen this coming. So indefinite suspension. The NBA did this with John Morant. I think it, at the end of the day, they have to drop the hammer here. They have to hold him accountable because they certainly didn't do it last year. And we thought it was Jordan Poole's problem. It is a Draymond Green problem. I mean, just incredible research here. Tom Havistro completely changing hearts and minds on this show, getting us to the real issues here. Tom, we got about a minute and a half left here. And in that, I want to turn to another thing that you've looked at here, because this all does tie back to two. What we've seen is a rash of ejections around the NBA. Some deserved like this. Others like the Nikola Jokic uh, uh, ejection on Serbian Heritage Night in Chicago. Less so here. What pattern have you found in the ejections league wide? Yeah, I did the research on that, too, because I kind of felt like the, the ejections were way up. And I think you mentioned this, Gojo, the idea that like it feels like ejections are way up. And they are. Uh, ejections are on pace to have a season high uh, over the last decade in the NBA. So eight, we're on pace for 80 ejections. And the thing I want to point out here, really interesting trend. Uh, the guys who are getting tossed, the star players are getting tossed, are getting tossed by referees who are very inexperienced, non-playoff officials. And I think that's part of the reason why they're getting so frustrated here is because they don't know who these referees are. Um, the NBA decides who are the 36 best officials in the league. And the guys who are getting, uh, you know, with the early trigger on ejecting these stars, they're not those playoff officials. So I think that's part of this story that we need to focus on. And I, got, I did a whole bunch of research on this. You can find it on TomTheFinder.com and the Oscar Sheebway thing. I, I haven't done an investigation yet, but I will soon. So stay tuned. <laughs> Ah, if you needed any more reason, go check it out. He mentioned it, TomTheFinder.com. The man is doing all of the necessary work to get to the bottom of the NBA mysteries right now, the most emotional league in pro sports at this particular juncture, and Tom is finding a way to cut through. Tom, we appreciate all the time, buddy. This was awesome. We'll have to do it again soon. Anytime. TomTheFinder.com. Let's go. Mike, the thing uh, I, I love mean, about this just, the most is it, it's like someone doing my work for me, right? It's like, I just got to go check out all his research and info and I'm good. <laughs> I mean, the stuff about the the new officials in terms of this yeah. is fascinating and a, a both great information, but also an incredible human element to what we're seeing right now all across the NBA and something great for everyone to keep in mind going forward.
right, time to finish off the show the way we always do. This, that, the third, three quick stories to send you off into the rest of your day. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review us. Leave us a five-star rating. And if you can't check us out live Monday through Friday from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on the DraftKingsNetwork.com, our DraftKings YouTube channel, which you should go and subscribe to. Smash the subscribe button, like a bunch of our videos. You can also check us out here and get us wherever you get your podcast. Catch up on our great guests like Mina Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst today, who was kind enough to join us to talk Dak Prescott MVP race, Mike McCarthy and more. And our buddy Tom Havistro over at TomTheFinder.com, who changed a lot of our minds on a bunch yeah. of the things going on around the NBA, not the least of which was the Tom was the um, game ball gate after the Bucks and Pacers game. So <laughs> check all that out wherever you get your podcast. Let's get to Dad this that and the third and start off with this we talked about your eagles days with the reggie white documentary today i want to tap into houston oilers mike golick yeah. the original mike golick version in the nfl as we got the announcement that the tennessee titans plan to wear their houston oilers throwbacks this weekend when they host the houston texans yeah. dad does this seem wrong to you because this seems both calculated and cruel Oh, hell yeah, it's calculated. I love it because uh, people naturally assume the Houston Oilers are now the Houston Texans, uh, but they are not. For those, again, that may not know, the Houston Oilers became the Tennessee Titans, and they will be wearing the uniforms that I wore back when I came into the league in 85 when I had the excellent D-line number of number 68, Mike, and you've gone over numbers and knows what a, what a horrible number that is for a defensive lineman, but when you're a 10th round pick, you take whatever jersey they throw your way and say, thank you, sir, may I have another? Uh, but I think it's awesome. I love the uniforms, uh, so I got to see that already. I got to see the Philly throwbacks to when I was there as well, but doing it in Houston is just without question something wonderfully, wonderfully planned. <laughs> well and to your point here like it feels like cruel because they left and took the jerseys with them like yeah. you shouldn't in theory yeah. in a lot of people's minds have to leave the jerseys back at the border once you're going out of the state of texas i agree i love it just because we get to see him again like i don't harbor any of those feelings i just like no. seeing these what i've realized now dad is i would argue you wore for real the two greatest nfl jerseys of all time like i think the houston oilers powder blues and the eagles kelly greens are the two best nfl yeah. uniforms in league history so congrats to you they were very cool loved loved the Derek on the helmet as well i uh, thought it was great I, I i agree i mean when i went back to uh call i called the philly game when they wore the throwbacks it was so cool just being down on the sideline and, and looking at those numbers and seeing Jordan Davis wearing my own number and him looking way better than I ever did. If they're the incredible athlete that he is, it was just very cool. And then the same thing with Houston. So it, it's kind of fun to see. I'm one of those. I love the different uniforms. Like I love every, every you know, Oregon has so many different variations and people love them or rip them. I, I'm just a fan when you change things up. For you guys at Notre Dame, the Shamrock series, you would have different Notre Dame uniforms that the guys would get to keep. I just think that stuff's fantastic when you do. So I'm all for these kind of things. This gives me PTSD I from... I should just go... Steve McNair. Yeah. Steve McNair went back in the AFC Central days with the Jaguars, just being a thorn in Jacksonville's side. So, Always comes back to Duval County, doesn't it? It really I mean, does, because we're, Amer we because we're America's team, Golick Ugh. Senior, whether you like it or not. Okay, bud?
Relax, you turn Bucko. his mic off. America somehow, some way. America's team needs a little bit more of that Captain America super serum as of late <laughs> because they haven't looked quite like America's team, especially no. on the rush defense side. But uh right. Emerson, let's uh get to that in this yeah. story here. We've also talked a lot about college sports today and uh the changes in the calendar, the different challenges that it faces here. No challenges for the athletes over at Utah right now who are getting some of the good side of all this. Dude, two months after the University of Utah's Crimson Collective surprised all 85 scholarship football players with custom pickup trucks, a moment that took the NIL world by storm, raising questions about Title IX and collective support. The Crimson Collective has now expanded their car gifting to include both Ute men's basketball team. So the men's basketball team, the women's basketball team, and the women's gymnastics athletes as well. Junior, you played football at the wrong time. We all did. I wow. still have four years of eligibility left. I would join the University of Utah for this. It's a great perk. My Incredible. only regret about this situation, and Dad, you can appreciate this as, as someone who saw both in college, but then certainly as you get ready and start the NFL draft preparation process and you see guys that start to get the money from their agents and what starts to show up in the parking lots at that point. It used to right. be the international symbol for I am either a college player getting some money under the table or I am an NFL player who has now found money that previously I didn't have. Used to be the Dodge Chargers and Challengers. And once they got yeah. disconnected, Continued. We lost the premier car of young athletes everywhere, and I feel sad that these kids aren't going to get to experience that kind of muscle under the hood, even though they are getting cars right now for free, which is freaking sick. Yeah, I'm not feeling sad for them one bit because they're all getting cars. That, I mean, that is amazing and again how they're doing this they're leasing it to the scholarship athletes if they were to go on the portal and leave they would lose the car and once their eligibility is up they'd lose the car as well there are ancillary questions though uh -oh. do they have to pay for insurance there's no way you can't gift somebody a vehicle right. and they'd be like you gotta pay for this that right. and the other i would agree right you can't you can't and plus they should all get some kind of a gas card as well to at least start them off yes. give them a full tank and then give them a gas card help them out here a little bit and i'm sitting here complaining like a car isn't enough i'm worried about these other things well, but the insurance is an important thing yes yes it is but all right so i lived in salt lake city for three years uh with my wife i will say car insurance is cheap as hell out there it costs me $50 a month for car insurance, full coverage. You could smash me on either side. Fender bender, whatever, dude, 50 bucks a month. It was very, very <laughs> affordable. Treat Emerson like a bumper car because that insurance is hidden Hit out me, in Utah, boy. Well, congratulations to everybody there. Love, see, see you know what? This is the stuff we've been waiting around. Yeah. Everyone talks about and tries to boogeyman the NIL stuff and the trend. No, no, no. This is the good stuff. This is what I came to see. All it's the awesome. rest of it, yeah, can be complicated. Let's get college kids cool stuff because we can yeah. and they should. Speaking of college, let's get to the third. Emerson, Go. I was enthralled last night <laughs> as across my television screen on ESPNU, yes. the Microsoft Excel Collegiate Challenge all of a sudden took center stage. I was today years old when I realized that this was actually a thing. And then, yes, my research five minutes ago. I realized it was on television. So the event brought together over 50 students coming from 11 countries and representing 29 universities here. The students showing off their amazing skills by solving a variety of Excel-based cases from locating baseball pitches within a strike zone to determining the delivery order along a neighborhood newspaper route. I would fail this immediately. Well, so I, I need, by the way, you, 
say your favorite Excel function before you proceed further with your talk. And I said, okay, I'm gonna say it as we look up. And he said to me back, that shows your age. <laughs> All right, so that's that's the what? dean of elementary. I was beside myself. Oh. My guy Carthage, yeah, the dean of Eller, uh, yeah. the dean of Eller College of Management in Arizona, dropping the Excel jokes and had the crowd eating out of the palm of his hand. Dad, watching this was an electric factory, and it's a <laughs> no reminder way, of the importance of a broadcast okay. booth in okay. sports that people are not aware of. Because the broadcast crew for this one had energy; they were enthralled by what was going on. They sold the hell out of it. I had no idea what I was watching, as these kids did more with Excel than I'll be able to do with any okay. platform in my entire life. But but I couldn't get enough of this. They competed for $30,000 in prize money. Congrats, University of Arizona team. They won the event. Okay, Mike, what the hell is this? I, I don't understand I don't it. Get it. I, I locating pitches, neighborhood, the, the route for whatever for food delivery. I don't know what they were doing to win the competition. I don't understand this competition at all. Explain it to me somehow, some way, in a way I can understand it. I can't even navigate the schedule they send out. Like here with an Excel spreadsheet. No, Dad, the whole point of this is I can't explain it to you. I still have no greater knowledge of Excel from watching this, and yet I couldn't look away. And that, folks, is how you know that they have made a quality entertainment <laughs> product. So congratulations to the University of Arizona for making a fully-fledged dumbass like me somehow sit down and watch this. If you feel a little bit smarter and more capable, we'll endorse you for Excel. If you go and download, subscribe, rate, and review us, leave us a five-star rating and check us out on DraftKingsNetwork.com. Thanks, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.